0: The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. We've got a really good story to kick things off today. You know, we're always looking for businesses that are exemplary, those that are achieving success, those that you can model after, learn from, get inspired by. And I think we've got a dose of all that coming your way with a story we're going to feature right now. We've got Cameron Cruz on with us. Cameron, welcome to Startup Nation Radio.
1: Yeah, so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I love your story. Love your company. Your company is Our Riveter. I'm going to let you tell the story. Tell us first about what Our Riveter is and how and why you formed it.
1: Happy to. So we named the company Our Riveter after Rosie the Riveter, who mm-hmm. was that World War II icon. Sure. You got to throw up the Rosie arm and people instantly <laughs> know who you're talking about. Right. Um, but ultimately, we're a handbag company on a mission. And basically, we've set out to provide mobile, flexible income for our nation's military families and specifically military spouses who have to move every two to three years on average. So we make handbags, we sell handbags, but really it's so much more than just accessories.
0: I want to just go back to something you said, because I think it's the essence of what makes this so unique. You mentioned mobile flexible income as part of your business model. Can you tell us what in the world that is? Is this something that you created? Is this a new model? what, What does that mean? And tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so when we first started the business, we realized that there were a lot of people providing flexible income. So there's a lot of part-time jobs, there was jobs where you could work from home, you know, all of these things providing some sort of flexibility. But the real light bulb moment for Lisa and I was when we decided, you know, there's flexibility but we need mobility too, because we wanna be able to take that job with us when we move from station to station or from Fort Bragg to Fort Carson and out to California. So that was kind of the light bulb moment where we knew we had a niche to provide mobile, flexible income to military spouses. And the business model was born kind of then and there. I don't know if we're the only ones doing it. I won't claim that, but it Mm -hmm. definitely came out of a need for both Lisa and myself and our entire community for that mobile, flexible income.
0: Right. So let me ask, I I have to ask this question because many times people, and I love this about the human spirit, you know, you want to do well in business, you want to do well for yourself and your family and have upward mobility and all that goes with success with a business. But going beyond that, we hear from entrepreneurs on Startup Nation Radio from time to time who have a greater cause in mind with the business that certainly focuses on it being a business. It's certainly a for-profit enterprise, but You're doing good, social good at the same time. For you, what was the driver here? Did you create a business model to serve your social interest or how did it all come about? How did it happen?
1: It came out of a quarter-life crisis, if you will. Okay. <laughs> so right. Lisa and I both, I had just graduated with a master's in architecture, and my husband was in the military, and we moved from the beautiful Savannah, Georgia, where we had, ah. I had studied and we had lived, and we moved into the middle of nowhere. And so it was like, all right, well, there goes my plan. And there's no architecture happening here. So I had, you Mm -hmm. know, all of the things that I thought were gonna be my life, my career plan, everything that I had laid out, just kind of got thrown out the window. And so it was in that moment where I realized it was gonna look a little bit different. I didn't know what it was gonna be. And I had started up a conversation with Lisa about, you know, we had just listened to, I think it was a radio show about grants they were giving for starting jobs in the United States. Mm -hmm. And we both were like, who needs jobs and deserves an opportunity more than the nation's military spouses. And so we found ourselves in this position and then realized, hey, we're not the only ones, and this could really not only help us, but help an entire community of people. So it was a little bit selfish, but at the same time, we really saw a big need for our community and we were ready and willing to step up and and step in and do something about it.
0: Okay, but of course, you didn't have jobs to offer at that time, so you needed to solve that problem first how do you yeah, do that? We knew
1: we had the mission. We didn't know what the heck we were
0: going to okay. do. Okay. <laughs> so there we go. Well, there we go. How do you do that? You start a business, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. And then you've got
0: to, you've got to hire people, you have jobs to offer and so on. So that's kind of how it all came about and how it happened. And, and so you had this idea to start the business. We're going to run to a break in a minute here, but before we go to the break, just tell us, you know, what were the, in the formative stages, how did you come up with the idea? Why handbags you know, and how specifically and why this specific, I love the brand, by the way, and it certainly fits what you guys are doing and what you're all about and the spirit and essence of the business and and, and the raison d'etre, if you will, of the business. But tell us why handbags and why this specific business, how did that come about?
1: Well, we knew we wanted to provide that mobile, flexible income by doing something a little bit different. We didn't want to just provide another sales opportunity or um, kind of a multi-level marketing opportunity because those were out there. Mm -hmm. And so we knew it wanted to be product and manufacturing based, which is where we kind of got our start and something that we've never really seen before. And honestly, it was a little bit of a process of elimination of what we couldn't do. We couldn't do clothes because it was gonna be too expensive and cost too much to start up. So much inventory, it's very technical. Um, We weren't going to be able to do that because we we bootstrapped this entire thing. So Mm -hmm. we didn't have any money, we didn't have any resources, and we had no experience. So it was going to have to be something that we could pull off in the garage. And so we realized that handbags were the perfect power accessory to not only make because they had parts and pieces, but they're also something that women are willing to invest in, and they're going to carry it with them every day. So it was this beautiful synergy of what we were trying to do, how we were trying to do it, and what people wanted to pay for.
0: That's amazing. So you settle on the product, and then you had to create a business, and you had to, with no money, no capital to invest, really, of any significance, you had to get material and inventory or hook up with a contract manufacturer or however you were going to get your product produced, and then you had to get it to market. We want to hear what steps you took then to move this from this really cool, noble idea to the reality it is today. And speaking of reality, do I have it right that you're named one of 25 people changing the future of retail as named by uh, NRF and Apparel's 30 Under 30?
1: Yes, that's correct. We were very honored to be recognized for, you know, basically the changes that we're trying to make in the military spouse and the retail community um, as part of bringing, you know, we have a brick and mortar business. So we had so much that we were trying to do. And uh, we really needed to be able to see and communicate and experience our customers when they experience the brand. So That's definitely a a huge part. And that was actually a happy accident many years after we had gotten started in the garage. And uh, we can, you know, if you want to, we can jump into kind of day zero when we have no money and no no experience. That's exactly (laughs) where I
0: want to go. Day zero with the no money. How do you put, I mean, how do you take it from an idea now? And I know our audience is leaning in right here because everybody's got ideas, you know, and people get inspired from time to time but moving it from inspiration or a good idea to the reality that you've created today and then to be named one of 25 people changing the future of retail. Wow. Stick with us. We're on Startup Nation Radio coming back with more after this break. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Cameron Cruz telling her amazing story started in a garage with an idea and that's made it all the way to uh, a real mover and shaker within the retail world now being recognized by people in the know in the retail space and i know Cameron, we had a chance to talk a little bit off air too i know you're feeling it you're feeling it you're, you're you've accomplished something great you feel good about it you're proud about it and it's working which is so cool But in order for it to be working, you've got to go from that garage. You've got to go from ground zero. Let's start right there. You had the idea. You had this new cool model you wanted to develop. You had the reasons why you wanted to do all this. You were inspired. You were passionate about it. What are some of the things you do right away to build a business from ground zero? When you look back, key moves you made to make it happen.
1: Yeah. So we're in an age now where you can literally Google just about anything. So you can learn how to do just about anything on the internet. And so that's the first thing we did is we started to research, we started to get what products we wanted to create, what kind of bags. So we have this semi small plan, not a business plan, because we didn't want to take the time and resources and energy to create an entire business plan only to just change it when it didn't work out. So we were going to jump right in and just start trying things, testing, moving. We were going to go pretty fast and pretty scrappy. And so we jump right into, we know what we want to make and we know sort of how we want to make it. And we honestly put a couple of thousand dollars on each of our credit cards because wow. that, that is the capital that we, we had. We didn't have anything, right? So it started out as a liability right away.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> <And Yeah. laughs> but not uncommon. Not uncommon. Yeah, yep. Yep. yeah,
1: yeah. We bought a machine and we made a couple of prototypes. And from there we realized, okay, we've got to get this stuff in front of people. And we started going to markets teeny tiny little holiday markets, retail markets, farmers markets, putting our samples in front of people. And we said, you know what, pick any style you want, pick any color, any liner, and we'll custom make your handbag, which made our customers feel really special, but it also gave us the opportunity to take an order, make some money, turn that into product, turn those five bags into 10 bags and 10 bags into 20 bags. Mm -hmm. And so we really bootstrapped our way with a pre-order custom model by just showing up at these markets and getting people to order exactly what they wanted.
0: It's unbelievable. And then you, you know, at some point you get that validation that really, really critical and the earlier you get it, the better, but that critical validation that comes with people then saying, I love this. I'm going to hear it. Here's my hard earned money. I'm going to hand it over to you and make this purchase because I love it so much. And boy, that puts wind in your sails, doesn't it?
1: Oh, it sure does. And you know, what's really interesting is since we're in this sort of digital age where everybody can start an e-commerce store and start selling something, what we got to experience really early on by going to these markets and being in front of our customers is that real time feedback. Yes. What does our customer yes. care about? What do they not care about? What makes their eyes light up? Mm-hmm. And so by doing that as co-founders, we got to see firsthand what really resonated when we told our message. And so, you know, we got that really early on and just really went for it. Once we started to see that people did care, that people wanted to invest in this community and, and do something, kind of do their part, to help military spouses. And it just took off. I would love to say it took off from there, but you know, we had several years of just trial and error, learning how to make handbags, learning how to be business owners. And I would say in 2013, 2014, it really started to gain some traction and we we started to scale.
0: You know, i tell you, we advocate all the time for this idea of going to markets. Well, again, whether it's farmers markets, holiday markets, whatever it may be, to get that firsthand feedback from the market. I'm so glad you talked about that because that is indeed such a great way when the information and the feedback coming into you at real time, as you said, and and having it be so actionable to help shape and forge the product direction and the company direction, and maybe even learn the hot buttons on what helps you make a sale and what doesn't, and validating price points and all those things early on that help shape the future of the company and really are determinant, you know, ultimately as to whether or not the company's a success or a failure. So I'm so glad you highlighted that. So here you are, you go to these markets, you get the feedback, you use the information to hone the product and tighten up the business model and all that you're going to be doing. And then you did what? What was the next big moves that you made in order to start to accelerate this business?
1: At that point, we started bringing on team members. So once we were able to say, okay, the business is going to work, we can make money, we can, we can be cash flow positive. We started to bring on people to help assemble and actually fulfill our mission of that mobile flexible income piece with all these military spouses. And when you start to bring in people, you get a whole another level of complexity in your day and your, your management. But we knew that's why, you know, this is why we wanted to start the business, so we jumped right in. And then it's becoming, okay, now we're going a manufacturing business and we're going a retail business. Mm -hmm. So it it became pretty complicated for the level of experience that Lisa and I had early on. And so we really needed to lean on those people who had experience and and start to bring in not only team members to help make bags, but advisors and team members to help grow and run the business. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. And the business has grown to what now? You've got a brick and mortar location. We do. Yes, and you have online. What's the primary center, cornerstone of the business? Is it online or is it brick and mortar and then the others supplementary and complementary?
1: Yeah, I, th- I would say that the primary business is by far e commerce right now. The brick and mortar that we have that's in North Carolina is definitely complementary and we have a great stage to be able to talk to our customers to continue to get that feedback try things, test the markets, all that kind of stuff. It really is a great complement to our mission, which is to provide mobile, flexible income and community to military spouses. So you could actually go into our retail store and, and talk to somebody if you're a military spouse whose husband is away or, you know, on a trading mission. So we've got that human to human connectivity that we all obviously miss so much during the pandemic, sure. but we all know is so important.
0: Is this business what you hoped it would be and thought it could be? Are you there?
1: Yes, you know, every day it shapes up to be more and more the vision. You know, I think it's been 10 years now. So we actually are celebrating our 10th year anniversary this year. And, you know, when you start a business and you jump in, there's a little time to look up and back. And so when we have these big milestones, like 10 years, you realize how far you've really come. And it really is incredible to watch it have come as far as it did. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to get to do what I love And, you know, we work really hard to be able to provide that for ourselves and for other military spouses, but we're very blessed to be in our own space.
0: Yeah. Well, that's incredible. I want to, in the couple of minutes that we have left, make sure we touch on kind of your ambition for this business or where do you think it can and should go over the next few years?
1: Yeah. So we've gone from, you know, Lisa and I in the garage making five bags a week to making, you know, having the capability to make thousands of bags a week at this point, and we've always known that it's more than just a handbag company. So what we've done is we've set out to provide mobile, flexible income for military spouses, but at the same time, we can take this brand well beyond accessories. So in a lot of sense, it's growing the assortments, growing, you know, into a different into different markets and different products. But on the other hand, it's doing a lot more of the exact same thing, which is providing that income opportunity for military families. So we wanna stay grounded in that, but also we see the possibilities as being somewhat endless on the retail side.
0: Sure. How much of the social mission of the company drives sales, would you say? And how much of it is driven by just the quality of the product? Now, obviously both matter. Right. But. You know, I'm just curious. There's always a struggle and sometimes even a tension beyond a the struggle. There's a tension between trying to do both things. You know, having a successful business as defined by generating, you know, profits, exciting profits, and so on back to the stakeholders is one way to judge a business. But you're doing something more than just a business, you are also trying to achieve social good and are doing just that. I'm curious which side of the business drives the business?
1: Oh, it has to be a combination of both. A healthy business will be able to provide the money that you can then invest back in your community, your community invests in your business. So I see them as completely symbiotic. You cannot have one without the other at our Riveter. And, you know, honestly, a lot of people told us when we first started the company that, you know, it was kind of cute, like, good luck. Uh, You know, we'll we'll see how far or how big you can grow this business, but you'll never be profitable. Right. So the reason why people are buying our river handbags is because of their quality and their what they're doing for the military community. And so it's, it's really, you can't really have one without the other.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, and you're proving it's working. You've got a highly successful business. And you know, look, no one deserves it more than you guys. I'm thrilled with your success. And we really appreciate you coming on to Startup Nation Radio today. I wish we had more time. But it's great for you to share your story. And I have no doubt there's people out there that are jumping up off their sofas right now and starting to write a business plan. <laughs> and I I love, I love it too. Even
1: more so, go after it. Go out there, prove that you could sell it. If you can sell it, you've got, you've got yourself a market. That
0: was a huge, you know what? That was, I, again, I highlighted that in real time when you mentioned it. You're absolutely right. The early, the, as soon as you can validate that what you're doing has merit, like I said, that'll put wind in your sales. Thanks for uh, being on today, Cameron. We love your story and thanks for sharing it with us.
1: Of course, thank you very much. All
0: right, right on. Back with more after this break on Startup Nation Radio.